0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here with another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, what's really behind those high toll roads that may be coming to a city near you? A little bit about how I became interested in the topic that is my cover story this week on Full Measure. That'll be Sunday, April 4th. I'm looking at some of those high toll roads. I call them sliding scale tolls. Maybe you've been to a city where you can get on these express lanes when the traffic is bad and the amount of the toll changes depending on how much you need to be on the toll road. So when you don't really need to be on it because the traffic's not bad, the toll is really cheap. It may be 20 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents. But as traffic gets heavier and heavier, and if you're looking at rush hour, maybe there's some accidents on the main road, the toll is going to go up exponentially. So if you need to get on the toll road, maybe it's $20, $30, $40 just to go a few miles. And some roads like this we're going in around the Washington, D.C. area in Virginia. And I don't happen to have to get on these roads much to go to the places I go, but I know people who do. And they were really complaining about this, telling me how high the tolls were going. And it just seemed to be for ordinary commuters completely out of reach. Their choice is to either sit in the traffic and watch everybody flying past them on this express lane, or to pay this exorbitant amount of money that most nobody can afford to try to get where they need to go. And I just wondered. Whose idea was this? And who benefits? Because when I ask people if they liked the idea, nobody did. In defense of the companies that provide these express lanes, and we'll talk about that more in just a minute, they claim to have polling and research that shows these lanes are extremely overwhelmingly popular. I think they said something like 90% of commuters love them. So I kind of wondered why, through the course of researching the story, I probably asked a few hundred people what they thought, and nobody liked them. So I don't doubt that they have some research where they asked a question. Maybe they said to people, do you appreciate being able to have an express lane that you can get on if you have to get to a medical appointment fast or a place at a time certain? Do you appreciate being able to do that? And people said yes. But in general, when you ask commuters, at least in this area, do they like the fact that there's this express lane where you may have to pay $20, 30 40 $50 to go a few miles and that's your only choice or sitting in traffic? Do you like that? They don't. So um, I wanted to kind of get behind whose idea it was if it's not something that commuters and travelers were clamoring for and who's making money off of it. That's a lot of money. So I start my story by talking to a man named Greg Scott. Greg Scott is a commuter who got interested in this issue and headed up a commuter group that was formed that fought unsuccessfully to try to stop some express toll lanes along I-66, which is a stretch of highway in Northern Virginia, just west of Washington, D.C. And I-66 eastbound is where you see these high tolls now. And I asked him what was the highest he remembers seeing that toll go And he said, $54. And I asked him, was anybody paying that much? Was anybody on the toll road when it was $54? And he said, absolutely. You see these cars zip by and he says, you wonder, are their bosses paying them back or can they claim it as a business expense? But to ordinary people, $50 is a lot of money, especially go on a few miles of toll road. So to find out how all of this started, I traced it to Aubrey Lane, who is Virginia's finance secretary. Went down to Richmond to talk to him. And it turns out Aubrey Lane, kind of funny that his last name is Lane. We're talking about highways. He was personally instrumental in expanding this concept of what they call dynamic tolls. I say sliding scale tolls. Dynamic tolls sound so exciting and almost fun. That's what they call it. But this was his idea to come to the state to raise money for badly needed transportation improvements in a way that would not be raising taxes on people. So they're always looking for, how can we get more money in a reasonable way for the things that we need without doing it through taxes? Now here's how the dynamic tolling works. Sometimes they're called price-managed lanes. The toll charge to drive on these special express lanes that are built, it adjusts every few minutes depending on the traffic. And as I said, when traffic gets worse, When you need to use the express lanes most, the price goes up. And it's that dynamic, the idea that people will want to use the express lanes, but some people won't be able to afford to use them, but it will get some traffic off the road. Um, That's all designed. And I spoke to Patrick Jones. He represents the owners and operators of toll facilities across the nation, heading up something called the International Bridge, Tunnel, and Turnpike Association. So, Patrick Jones explained that these priced managed lanes do three things. First of all, he says it provides the consumer a choice, a choice of a reliable way to get to work or wherever you may be going, despite how bad the traffic might get. Second, he says it provides better throughput and speed in the transportation corridor because it takes some of the traffic off of the congested road and puts it on the express lane. And then he says it also helps with the environment by reducing greenhouse gases. That's partly because the express lanes might be free if there's more than one person in the car. So if you're carpooling, you could save money and that takes cars off of the road and helps with greenhouse gases. So across the United States right now, we took a look and there are more than 700 miles of price managed toll lanes along 53 sections of highway in 11 states but if you live in a state that doesn't have these yet you might see them in the near future and part of that is due to how these are marketed who's bringing the ideas to the cities and states and how much money's being made on them i had somebody snap a few photos when they were traveling on that stretch of i-66 heading into washington dc a couple of days last year And they had photos of the toll at $32.50, another day $42.25, and a third day $46.50 to travel 10 miles or less on this toll road. So I asked Aubrey Lane, who thinks this is a good idea, I said that, you know, it seems to make it where this benefits the people whose companies can reimburse them for the cost or who are rich enough to bear the cost, but people who can't afford it, which is most people, when it's that high, they sit in traffic and they're late to work and they can't use the benefit. And Lane said, well, the answer to that is that most people don't use it every day. So when they can use it, if they have something they have to get to, a medical appointment or a work appointment certain, that that's something they can count on to use and that they appreciate having that. And then he said, That's the way America works. It's based on a value proposition. And then he argues that dynamic tolling is a better option than either doing nothing because there's a lot of infrastructure improvement needed, or it's better than raising taxes. And then, as I said, the supporters insist that there are polls that show commuters are very satisfied with dynamic tolling, even if I don't personally know many people who say that. So how did all of this come about? Where was the concept? Again, if the commuters didn't think of it, did the state think of it? Who developed this business model? Well, it turns out it is for-profit companies that lobby to build and operate the lanes. The concept was brought into the U.S. by an Australian company called Transurban. And according to Aubrey Lane, this company came to the governor of Virginia, Governor McDonnell, he was governor in the 2010 to 2014 term. And Transurban presented this idea. And the governor said, let's look at it, see if it works. So Transurban ended up paying Virginia hundreds of millions of dollars for an agreement to be able to operate the express lanes on Interstates 495, 395, and 95. And the state uses the money that it got from Transurban to pay for transportation improvements. Transurban gets to keep any tolls until near the end of the century under this big multi-million dollar deal. After a short break, when we come back, I will talk about what these companies do to try to convince cities and states to buy into this business model. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. My new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, is filled with important context regarding the death of the news as we once knew it. Pick up your copy of Slanted today. We're back. So back to Greg Scott, who is the citizen who organized a commuter group that unsuccessfully tried to stop one of the toll roads from going in. But I asked him if he had looked at what the company Transurban did to try to promote its business model in Virginia. And he said he did. First of all, he said that Transurban is the largest public-private partnership tolling company in the world, an Australian company, as I mentioned. And he said that when he researched it, he found they had contributed $600,000 to members of the Virginia General Assembly, the legislature. So in other words, they're coming into a place where there's no market for the idea to begin with, possibly because nobody knew about the business model. It was new but they need to create the market and to create the market and to kind of hobnob with the people who make the decision. They attend functions, they take part in the community and they lobby and contribute money. For Greg Scott, he says that's greasing palms in a legal way, but it's greasing palms. And he said, of course, Transurban has shareholders they're trying to serve, but he claims it's not the interest of the Northern Virginia commuters that this company has at heart. So then I went to Transurban to get their viewpoint, talk about their lobbying efforts and their business model. And I spoke to the president of Transurban at the time, Transurban North America, she's since moved on. But when I interviewed her, Jennifer Aument, I asked her about the lobbying and the research that showed how much money they had contributed. In fact, it looks like close to a million dollars in contributions over the last 15 years, given to the Virginia General Assembly by the company, Transurban. Why would they do that? And she answered by saying that Transurban participates in the communities where they operate in lots of different ways. They participate in the political process. She says, yes, they talk in the political arena and in the policy arena about what they see as great transportation ideas. They talk about grant programs, transportation solutions, and provide economic and community opportunities. That's what she told me. So I guess there are a few questions here. Does the express lane idea, the sliding scale tolls, the dynamic tolling idea, does it do what it sets out to do? And it's hard to tell. There's not a lot of metrics necessarily that can measure some of the metrics that need to be looked at. But after Virginia installed It's I-66 express lanes, which was December in 2017. There was a study done. The study was done by the Northern Virginia Transportation Commission and tried to quantify what was the impact of having these express lanes in terms of traffic on the road. And they found that the project resulted in helping to move 700 more people during morning rush, 700 more people in 750 fewer cars compared to four years before. This study was done before coronavirus. So again, putting in all that infrastructure and all of that cost and all of those high tolls, resulting in 700 more people being moved during morning rush, which is not very significant, in 750 fewer cars. So that's why Greg Scott, the community organizer, says that dynamic pricing has been an absolute disaster. On the other side... The tolling companies in the state of Virginia would say, remember, a big part of this was we got a ton of money through the deal to make improvements to other roads and highways in Virginia. So there are other improvements that have been made throughout the state in traffic flow in ways that can't really be measured as a result of these projects. But however you view it, dynamic toll express lanes are clearly big business and more are definitely on the way. There's another group of companies that includes a Spanish firm. And not long ago, they won a bid to build 22 more miles of dynamic toll roads along I-66. By the way, everybody hates this road, I-66 around Washington, D.C. It's always congested. It narrows into this little two-lane road as it goes into Washington, D.C. It just simply can't carry the traffic that it should be able to carry. But this uh, group of companies with a Spanish firm... Pay the state of Virginia $500 million for this deal to collect tolls, and they pledged to spend more than a billion dollars on transportation improvements. So that's what the state gets. That's what the taxpayers and commuters get out of it. They get a huge payment that will supposedly go on transportation improvements elsewhere. They, meaning this group of companies, get to keep all the tolls for 50 years under the deal. Now, Transurban, by the way, is on the short list of those bidding for billions of dollars in state contracts to build toll lanes on the Beltway and I-270 in Maryland now. And just a note, maybe it's neither here nor there, but because of the coronavirus pandemic, it kind of messed up the business model because, of course, traffic was down so much. The Northern Virginia operations were severely impacted. I read a couple of articles that said the traffic on 95, 395, and 495 express lanes in Northern Virginia hit a low in April, down 80%. And that even fairly recently, we're reporting lower traffic numbers, of course, than before the pandemic, although it's coming up. Toll road use in the last month or so was down by more than 40% in Northern Virginia on the Beltway and down 30% along the I-95 corridor according to a report put out by Transurban. But they seem to express they think traffic will be bouncing back. And I can tell you probably, having lived in Washington, D.C. as long as I have in this area, it will be coming back and it already is getting busier and congested. So if you see one of these dynamic pricing toll roads or sliding scale tolls in your travels or coming to an area near you, you know a little bit more about what's behind it and who's lobbying for these huge deals, and what you supposedly get out of it, whether you like it or not. Also this week on Full Measure, I asked Scott Thuman to do a piece for us that takes a look at gas prices, because a lot of people I know have been complaining about the rise in gas prices, and I wanted Scott to take a look at the factors that could be impacting the gas prices and where they may be headed. He found out some interesting information Yes, um, the prices have gone up since Biden took office, since President Biden took office, but they were already going up before that. He found out what the factors are and what's going to be impacting prices in the near future. They may continue going up, just like people are afraid of, for a lot of different reasons. He'll talk about all of that. Also, I am back on the U.S.-Mexico border with more reporting about the crisis that's going on. You may know that a couple of weeks ago, really before most of the media was covering the issue that heavily, I did a two-part investigation from the Arizona-Mexico border on the burgeoning crisis. You can watch replays of those at fullmeasure.news, hunt around on there, and you can see my story about how the wall was left with open gaps when construction was stopped overnight, and the uptick in the illegal traffic and the illegal immigrants coming across in Texas. Those two reports can be found online. But as much of the media is focused, rightly so, on what's happening in Texas with the illegal immigrants and the unaccompanied minors, and where they're being held, and how the overflow is being handled, there's sort of a flip side to the same problem. There are all kinds of people coming in, being sent in by the drug cartels. Remember, I've told you that The Mexican drug and human trafficking cartels control virtually everybody who crosses the border. They get a fee, they decide where they cross, they decide what time they cross, and while they're sending immigrants across in Texas, they are sending drugs across, particularly while Border Patrol is distracted doing social work, they're sending drugs and other illegal products across in other places. So while Texas sees a lot of this traffic of illegal immigrants and families and unaccompanied minors in Arizona, they're dealing with people who don't want to get caught. And there's good reason these people don't want to get caught. They're not looking to, as we say, build a better life. They're moving illegal products into the United States. They're part of illegal trafficking rings. So we'll be in Arizona to talk about how they deal with that and how serious of a problem it is. I am almost finished updating The station list, the TV station list of where you can see full measure at CherylAckeson.com. If you click the full measure tab, it tells you ways to watch, but it also has a station list by state. From time to time, these affiliates that we have change the times where you can see it. And we've just expanded a bunch of times. So in many markets, we're not just seen one time on Sunday morning anymore. We're seen two times or three times. And that list is being updated. I think I'm in the alphabet through Tennessee right now, but hopefully we'll be finished pretty soon. So you can look at the station list at CherylAckeson.com under the Full Measure tab. You can also download the app Stir, S-T-I-R-R, and watch Full Measure Live or replays anytime on demand. And that's a great app anyway, because as I think a lot of people are looking for more ways to get their information and entertainment, not just subscribing to a cable system, for example, that feeds them a thousand channels they don't watch. I know a lot of you are looking at individual subscriptions and on-demand viewing. So STIR is great because it's free and there's quite a bit of interesting programming on there. Plus, you can get your local news or local news from a lot of different areas. If you want to watch the local news in Washington, D.C. or some other city where you used to live, you can do that with the STIR app but you can also see programs and movies and Full Measure. The easiest way, as I always say, if you don't know where else to watch, fullmeasure.news online, free anytime. You can watch last week's segments or previous program segments there now. And then the week's program, after it airs on TV, is always posted around 11 or noon Eastern time on Sundays. And you can even watch live at fullmeasure.news on Sundays at 9:30 Eastern Time. So lots of ways to watch us. I hope you share this news with your friends. Our audience is growing. We're doing that good old-fashioned news without forcing agendas down your throat, trying to report on underreported topics and views and letting you make up your own mind. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. And I hope you will leave a good review, share this with your friends and check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast at justthenews.com or wherever you like to listen. Don't forget to order Slanted, how the news media taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. You can get that anywhere. Read the reviews on Amazon and that might help convince you that this is information you or your friends need. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.